right. I shouldn't fade out there. That's a, that's a dope part. We're going to keep it going. I'm not going to stop. <laughs> um. All right. That's probably enough. Uh, I was just compelled. Such a good song. Very good song, man. Well, I, 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 I decided to do that because I was looking on Spotify and I saw yesterday you were listening to a playlist called Best of Rock 1978. And I was like, oh, that sounds pretty good. So that song was on there. This is 1978 was a really good year for rock. You're <laughs> jumping ahead of me so much. Okay, and I'm, I'm sorry. so mad about I'm it. sorry. I'm sorry. I had to. All right. No, that's Go awesome ahead. because uh, whatever. Uh, when we get to what you cranking today uh, okay 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 i Damn was gonna it. bring i was gonna bring up this playlist of so course we'll, you were i'm sorry now i feel bad <laughs> no 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 not at all that's awesome because you're correct i don't know what happened in 1978 but it fucking jammed it did there's some good stuff on here i couldn't decide which one i wanted to play <laughs> well basically I'll, I'll i'll give you a teaser just so it, it's in your sub psyche to mull it over for a while when we get to what you cranking I, I have a favorite song from 1978, and I want you to pick your favorite song from 1978, and we'll put them both on the, on the playlist. All right. I think that sounds like a good plan. <laughs> yeah. So, um, anyways, we are back at it again with the jokes. I'm going to keep that vine alive. I'm going to keep, I'm going to do it all the time. Um, do you even know what vine I'm talking about? I have about? no idea what you're talking about. The damn Daniel. Damn, Daniel, oh, back yeah, again yeah. with the white vans. Yeah, of course. How yeah. did I forget about that? Man, yeah. one of the best vines ever. All right. Uh, so we are back. Um, still, no, there's no segue. You know what we are? I've finally quantified it. What we suck at is segues. Yes. We have no, we have no, and what I've realized, it's a very Midwestern thing to not have a segue in a conversation and just be like, all right. Uh, so like you just kind of stop talking about what you're talking about and then talk about the next thing pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's no segue really. There's uh, no like, you know, well, speaking of, I mean, I guess people do that, but you know what I mean? It's, it's <laughs> yeah. just, I, I think that's why we're so bad at it. I never right. write a segue. Well, a great segue. Um, let's, uh, let's, uh, stop the yapping. Let's start rapping about what we're drinking. All righty, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll fix it in post. We'll uh, we'll, 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 we'll work fix it on it. We'll we'll get the universal uh, <laughs> uh, lubricator. Uh, oh God damn it! Oh oh, man down, man How down. How is this happening? That was so much beer. <laughs> oh God, Mitch does have a weird tendency <laughs> to explode beers. This has all been the time. sitting here for like ten minutes. <laughs> I saw Erica shake it on her way out. God damn it. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to have to pause and clean up for a second. <laughs> I think what happened was this was in the bottom of our fridge in like one uh, of the pull out things. And I think it's like too cold in there because part of this is frozen. I can feel it in there. Uh Oh so, yeah. When it when I opened it, like it was it wasn't like a normal beer exploding. It was like a geyser. It was just shooting out the top and I couldn't get it to stop. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like I was staring at it like I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. <laughs> uh, 
Right on. So this is all the beer that I have left after that uh, happened. So. <laughs> all right. Well. Okay. Well, you do have like the worst luck with that. <laughs> I really do. Nothing will wake you up in the morning like a beer shower. Uh-huh. Like a beer shower. <laughs> All right. Are you were you still rolling? Oh yeah, I'm good, yeah. <laughs> okay, I just let it go. Okay. We'll we'll keep all that in. We'll just keep the silence in of you cleaning. Perfect, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well technical difficulties. Uh Mitch almost died. <laughs> it's fine. We're fine. <laughs> we're fine. We're fine. It's fine. Well, Mitch, what beer exploded all over your studio? <laughs> all right. So the beer that I am gonna drink enjoy half of, because half of it is on the floor. Um is a uh, and I was super excited about this one too because um, I I've had this at a, a couple bars around town. It's from a 18th Street Brewery. It's called mm. Here Comes the Reaper. It's an IPA. Um, looks super cool. Super cool can. Yeah, and, it does. Um, I I'm gonna ca- I'm gonna call it. I'm gonna make it official. This is my favorite IPA that I've ever had. Oh wow! So wow. I, I was super jazzed to have one on the podcast. So yeah, that makes me want to try it you know if it's your favorite ipa yeah it is so good it's um it's a little flat because i lost most of the carbonation the reason i like it is um it's like the perfect amount of bitter but it's also super fruity not like a sour but you can definitely taste like the citrusy kind of orangey um i think you would like it because it it, it's got kind of like a uh, blue moon kind of taste but much stronger and like an ipa so. Yeah, yeah. I think a, I think a, the mark of a, a truly good IPA is just the balance. If yeah. it can have the balance, that's an IPA I like. I just hate when I get an IPA that's all of one and none of the other. Exactly. And it and they just almost never work out. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, I'm going a little bit more boring, um, but I am drinking. I saw this and I pretty much knew I would like it, so that's why I picked it up. Uh, I got Sam Adams Summer Ale Citrus Wheat Ale. Okay. They're seasonal uh, summer beer. Um, I don't know what makes it a summer ale. Uh, the bright citrus wheat ale is summer in a glass, bursting with orange, lemon, and lime peels. Summer ale, uh, some, summer ale finishes clean and subtle with grains of paradise, with which accent the crisp wheat character. Iconic and refreshing summer ale is perfect for any summer day. That sounds pretty good. Sounds good. Kind of boring. <laughs> Did you taste eight, it? It's got eight IBUs. Okay. Hmm. That is okay. Just kind of okay. let down. Yeah, I'm kind of let down a little bit. Hmm. I mean, it's good. It's. I mean, it's pretty good. I kind of. When you start to say things like summer ale, grains of paradise, like. <laughs> kind of want it to be pretty dang good and uh it's okay hmm. it doesn't have a lot of flavor well that's kind of a letdown they really, yeah, I'm they kind really... Of bummed. i have like no real re- i mean it just tastes like beer i think beer companies should like do the opposite they should make it sound like this is just an okay beer like you know we used like not the best hops we could find and then like let it surprise you like or that set yeah, the downplay bar low it. downplay it and then you're like oh you know what this is actually pretty good even though their marketing made it sound like it was going to be shitty i still think one of the best things a brewery could do is just do mystery beers yeah like 
it should they they should come out with beers and it should just have a name it should just have a name no real distinguishing information minus what they have to put on there and just let you try it and you either will like it or not like it yeah that's a great idea if you do like it you know the name and it should be really simple names like you know you should just be like pyramids or something (laughs) you know what i mean like keep it real like and then they don't even put like what kind of beer it is yeah not even yeah you have no idea what you're buying right on okay (laughs) but what would be cool is that if they primarily only sold variety packs of their own beer so you go pick up a six pack you got six different beers you don't really know maybe maybe what they could do is just like give you an idea of what theme is around the six pack Mm. like ipa six pack these are all our ipas and then oh and then then they got to put like a code on there that you can like type into their website and then it will tell you about the beer oh that's a good idea have a little qr code even though people don't really do that anymore that never caught on (laughs) yeah something more modern yeah right (laughs) something more modern but that would be pretty dope like you know it's a good way to engage customers onto their website it gives them a reason to go on there and it just makes drinking beer exciting i just (laughs) right beer companies are all about market marketing and imagery so it'd be really interesting for a brewery to come out and just make interesting beer but just shed the image entirely yeah like let the beer speak for itself that's a really cool idea we should start a brewery we should do that (laughs) i i've i'm 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 fairly confident in that day because i know there are beer drinkers out there that are just like I, I mean, it's it, it would be hard to catch on. You'd have to really go for a younger demographic mm-hmm. because I think they're the ones that are going to be like, man, I don't know what the fuck this is. Like, kind of want to give it a shot, you mm-hmm. know? And I don't, I don't know. I I feel like there could be something there, or yeah. at least a happy medium where they just you know shred away some of that imagery because I know I get tired of it. The one thing I like about Rheingeist is that they keep it simple, right? And they don't overstay their welcome. Like I still hate the little descriptions they write because mm-hmm. it, it's just so niche. <laughs> but it would be kind of interesting to even do away with that and really just like I don't want to tell you what you're getting. You want a beer? I'll give you a beer. I'm going to give you a good beer. It's like if you go to a high class restaurant, a lot of times it will be like, "Well, just let the let the chef make me something." Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you don't get a choice in what you're consuming because it's just going to be good, and you're letting that person work at the height of their ability. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think they should do that with beer. Yeah, I agree. Um, speaking of outdated modes of transportation, here's the segue for you. Um, <laughs> Did I do that right? Um, Yeah, that was perfect. (laughs) Totally unrelated. But uh, did you hear about um, the Reds' newest uh, sign? Um, His name is Hayden Shinnefield. No, I haven't, actually. Okay, this is a super cool story. So, there's a guy named Hayden Shinnefield that I think was signed by, like, he, he was signed on their, like, minor league team, um, mm-hmm. like the single A or whatever. Um so the other day, the Reds pitching coach Kyle Bodie was doing a uh, 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 an AMA on the Reds Reddit, oh, and wow. um, so people were asking him all these questions about the pitching. You know what's going to happen, um, and then this dude with balls of steel named Hayden Shinnefield commented on the the AMA and was like, "Hey, my name is Hayden Shinnefield. I'm, I'm I'm in like the Reds. Uh, he's I think he said like I'm stuck in the Reds like single A. Here's my stats. Here's my whip. Here's my ERA. I can throw a 96 mile an hour fastball. If you could, you know, look uh, you know look at my stats or whatever, uh, I feel like I would be a, be a great addition to the Reds." 
Fast forward to the next day, they fucking signed him. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was, so yeah, just like, I guess it's, it's a cool story because like, yeah, dude just fucking went for it and it worked. <laughs> yeah, just like, uh, hey, by the way, uh, I'm signed in the Reds organization, but I'm down at the bottom. My coach fucking sucks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, you want to put in a good word for me? And then, you know, imagine him walking around in the office the next <laughs> right. day like, Hey, Skip, I'm out of here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then it also kind of just makes me think of how how bad the Reds are this season where they're like, oh, somebody on Reddit like asked if they could be signed and they just did. Um, it's a real like Vince Papali situation. <laughs> yeah, I'm really waiting for the Reds to be like, breaking news the red signed a golden retriever to relief pitch <laughs> yeah exactly uh we're holding open tryouts if you played in high school you know what fuck it even if you didn't like just show up yeah <laughs> charlie sheen's gonna be out there yeah exactly yeah. uh all right. all right we should get into a uh, lightning round yeah it's getting a lightning round question number one um, do you have your phone on you by chance? Ooh, I already don't <laughs> want to do this, but I do, yes. All right, why don't you uh, open up your notes app and just kind of, you don't have to read any notes, but just kind of give me an idea of the kind of notes you take on your notes app. I'd, I'd love to get an idea of what you use it for, because <laughs> mine is kind of interesting. So I thought yours might be too. <laughs> okay, well, let, let's start with my folders. I have... Notes, miscellaneous, podcast, work, and writing. Okay. Okay. So if I open up the normal notes, um, I have bands to check out. Nice. And I have one band, and they are called Hurricane Bells. Never checked them out, <laughs> so I guess I got to do that. How did you come across that band? <laughs> uh, then I have podcasts to check out. Cool. Um, so some of those, just in case you're wondering, I have Greater Boston, Serial, Unsolved Murder Mysteries, Uncanny Country, No Sleep Podcast, and What's Fe Frequency. Okay. I think I've checked out one of these, which is Unsolved Murder Mysteries. Cool. And that was, <laughs> all right. Uh, miscellaneous, what I got here, I've got the code to Aaron's Garage. Which is? <laughs> which is this. <laughs> uh... Oh, I have a note from the podcast when we did those songs, the memory songs. Oh, yeah. Because I have like Crazy Town, Butterfly, and all that. Nice. And then I have my lightning round of what's the shittiest bar experience you've had. So it was that episode. Cool. So I haven't, I made that note and haven't looked at it again since I was there <laughs> in Fort Wayne with you. Uh, then I have a bunch of work stuff. I mean, that's just really just writing down unit numbers. Mm -hmm. um, writing. I, I wrote the title of a thing and then wrote nothing under it. <laughs> <laughs> I do that all the time. <laughs> um, but it's called The Detective, The Church, and The Ruse. Cool. I like it. Uh, and that's it. So that's so clearly <laughs> I don't use this very much. Now, what if I can oblige you a little bit more? So I use Google Keep. Oh, uh, OK, OK. So I'll flip over to Google Keep and it's yeah. basically the same. I have a list of writing ideas and then I have a list of podcast ideas. OK, so cool, that's man. so that way to, you know, if I'm 
at work i could plug it into my phone but more or less i use my chromebook and then i'll you know if i want to that basically when i sit down to start to work on an episode i'll sit down on my computer open google keep where i've written stuff down and i'll transfer that over into the podcast notes and actually try to flesh out what i want to do in that episode so that's yeah. kind of how i work through doing episodes that need a little bit more content yeah uh, i got gotcha. you do you want me to maybe just read some of these? Yeah, yeah, please. For, for fun? Like the podcast ideas ones? Yeah, the podcast yeah. ideas. Uh, I, we still have announcing the Reds game, which I do oh, still yeah, really yeah. want to do. Uh, I wanted, So then I have Eli's last video game corner. Oh, so yeah. I wanted to do an episode where I just did one last video game corner, made it kind of impassionate. And and I also I haven't shared this. I've cataloged. I basically cataloged and ranked and documented every game I played and beat during quarantine. Oh, okay, wow. So uh, there's a lot. So I kind of wanted to go through and and do those. Um, I also had Mitch's last YouTube corner. Oh. So I wanted to do the same with your YouTube corner. Uh, then uh, actually the episode we're going to do next week, I have that on there. Um, and then I have, I thought we could do a Juneteenth episode, which I think we've missed that ability to do so. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I don't, I've never actually known when Ju- what Juneteenth is, and I really wanted to learn about it and talk yeah, about I think it. We, I think we should, yeah. I'm um, very uneducated, too. I, I'm, I just have no friggin' idea. Um, so I just thought that would be like a, a, a fairly woke thing to do hey i don't know about this i want to learn about it mm-hmm. you know i want to yeah. do that but yeah that's that's what i have written down so not very interesting <laughs> i don't <laughs> right. utilize that very much no that's cool and that was in your google keeps i've that never was, even used that well even... you remember when i was all on board of buying a macbook and all that jazz yeah the the only the main reason i wanted to do that is i wanted to be able to if i put down a thought or an idea i wanted to have that connectivity to have it anywhere i need it well what i realized is that that wasn't going to be accomplished the same way that i thought and then i thought about google and then i realized that chromebooks while very very non powerful or potent or however you want to put it are mm-hmm. are easy convenient and do what i got to do and then i could just use google for everything so mm-hmm. google keep is actually kind of fun to use i like google docs you know and now basically between my phone my chromebook and my desktop i could do anything so if i have a thought i could punch it in my phone i can expand on it on my tablet or on my or on my chromebook and then on my desktop so it just it gives me and now i've started to use google Google calendar for personal life and work so now i can open my google calendar on any of my devices and know what my week's going to look like for work if we're doing the pod you know what i mean i have everything in there on google calendar Mm -hmm. and it just kind of helps me i i i've you, you know how you like spring clean yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. With, with with your house and stuff. I had to spring clean my digital life and get it all reduced down because it was just such a mess. And I just felt like I, I was really disorganized. So while Google products are amazing, it's not like they're perfect. They do work. And I think they work pretty well. So mm-hmm. I've just really started to get into that. So that's kind of why I do that. Yeah, I gotcha, man. I, I need to I need to do some deep spring cleaning, too. Um, last week, I realized my my MacBook was running like super slow. And I was like, fuck, I'm going to have to get like a new hard drive or something, which I still am planning on doing. But I was just like looking at all my files I had. And I realized I still had about like 10,000 songs in my iTunes library that because of Spotify, I will never need 
delete again. So I took the plunge and I was just like, I'm going to delete everything. Um, yeah. I don't need any of this. Now, if Spotify like ever fails or streaming is not a thing, I'm going to be fucked because I don't have it anymore. But <laughs> yeah, but I don't, I don't see that coming. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't see that happening either. But, um, yeah, but, but part of that is, um, my notes apps is very unorganized. I don't even use folders and I don't know why I really should though, because oh. how I, what? Oh, sorry. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was going to say the notes app now is very good and i almost wanted to get a macbook because of how much features they've added into yeah. the notes app so i i yeah if you ever wanted to actually organize it yeah definitely because you can do a lot now i had no idea i yeah i really need to because mostly whenever i go to take a quick note down i just open up open it up to the first note i find so i also have very similar um things as you do i have like podcast ideas i have kind of potential lyrics um that I just kind of thought of. I have bands I want to check out. Um, I have a folder of like, well, no, I have a note of just like important passwords that I need in my life, which is probably not a good idea. Uh, <laughs> um, I have a, oh, I have my wish list of vinyl I want to buy. Um, but they're, they're all like, they're not on the same note. I'll just open up one note and it'll be like, okay, here's some random bands I want to check out. And then followed by podcast ideas. Right. <laughs> and every single one is like that. Um, it's kind of a mess. Oh, I have a, uh, I have a recipe for a uh, coconut daiquiri. Haven't oh. yet to try it, but it sounds pretty good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't daiquiris tip? Oh no. Daiquiri is just like a fruit thing. It's e- like e- a margarita, but with rum instead of tequila, which is good because I hate tequila. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so on that note, I will flip over. So I, I have uploaded everything into Discogs. Oh, so nice. If you check yeah. It, if you check it out, I have everything. The only stuff I don't have in there is some of my, what I call novelty section. And it's mm-hmm. a lot of just shitty compilations. Yeah. Okay. Um, but everything else is in there. And I actually went through and looked at your collection and i actually have a wish list on there of stuff that you have oh really oh cool yeah Yeah, so (laughs) i was gonna maybe work out see if i could buy some records off of you (laughs) we can arrange that (laughs) yeah because you you have quite a few that i want to i want to pick up so um but yeah it's i like discogs i think they can improve some of the functionality on it yeah it's not super intuitive you have to kind of learn it yeah, it's not intuitive. Like, like Stevie Wonder's inversions, I could not find for a week. Like, mm-hmm. I kept typing it in, looking at the year. Couldn't find it, couldn't find it. Eventually, I found it. What I did, since I don't plan on selling them, is I just... If it, if it was there with the right album cover, I picked it. Right. So, my collection value is probably a little bit skewed because mm-hmm. I did pick, like, oh, the German release of <laughs> whatever. Because I'm yeah. like, well, I don't want to spend 20 minutes trying to find the exact record I have. Yeah, that can be tedious. Because I'm probably not going to sell it. At most, yeah. I would trade with people. Mm-hmm. If it's a record I don't care about, I would maybe trade and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, but no, it's fun. I'm kind of excited about that. I'm excited for some of the next times that we hang out. Like if we hang out, I'm going to actually bring some records and try to trade you some. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. I'd be yeah. Down for that. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to like see kind of maybe what you don't have. See if I do have anything that's on like a wish list for you. Um, I will say the most, the, the most profit margin record that I own was the Foo Fighters medium rare record store oh, release. Yeah, I bet. 
I bought that I think for 15 bucks on record store day and it is if it was in better condition I think the the highest offer the highest it could probably go for was around $80 yeah I bet and that that was the biggest jump and then I have my one of 3,000 pressed of Soundgarden's um hunted down single oh okay from their first album it's uh hunted down and i think nothing to say on the Mm b-side um and i think it's orange vinyl i bought that for eight dollars and i think it's up to like 20 or 30 now yeah so that was some cool stuff i had that i was like okay well this is this is kind of why it's fun and uh, i think we talked about yeah the satanic satanist was quite surprising how much that is now yeah Um, yeah so yeah i I ended up selling mine so oh Um, did you yeah well yeah so yeah so just discogs is cool if you're into records at all it actually is a really fun thing um yeah and and actually here's the coolest thing is i looked and it shows you all the record stores that are around you that's cool too yeah and there's quite a few that i'm like i haven't even heard of this record store and it's really close so it's going to encourage me to kind of go out and go to record stores i haven't been to so Mm -hmm. i don't know how record stores feel about something like discogs because i feel like it might kind of cut out the middleman yeah well actually (laughs) kind of crazy story i bought a bunch of records off of well because i sold the satanic satanist and then a couple others and rather than like you know pocket that money i was like i have all this money in my paypal account why don't i just buy a shitload of like kind of records that aren't worth as much um so i bought like uh i I bought close to like 200 dollars worth of records from this record store in chicago and it ended up being like 20 records and they messaged me and they were like hey uh so this is going to be a lot to ship and then also the discogs takes like eight percent of the cut so and i know this is sounds kind of shady so i won't call them out but they were like is it okay if we cancel this and then just use PayPal? And I was like, I mean, yeah, that's fine. Like they still sent me the records, uh, but (laughs) because it wasn't through Discogs, they didn't take a cut. Um, I I really don't think that's shady at all because that that was kind of my whole point is that whether record swords love or hate discogs it's i i think it has to in some way drum up some of their business like i found like a really cool record store that i forget what it's called in dayton i want to go to and mm-hmm. they like they, they specialize in stocking like rock metal jazz punk like yeah. they they have the more like obscure stuff so i'm really excited to go you know anybody who advertised having a decent metal selection like they're going to have some interesting stuff there. So mm-hmm. it's definitely drumming up business for them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that is kind of shitty if, if Discogs would take a cut. They I guess do, it, yeah. Yeah, it kind of makes sense user to user. But for a record store, it's kind of like, well, you can have an infrastructure to do that yourself mm-hmm. without having to pay Discogs. So, right. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that's too shady. I get it. I probably would have suggested the same thing. Like, hey, we want your business. We want to do that. Um, but this is going to be difficult to do. Can you just work with us directly Mm -hmm. um and we'll hook you up so yep they did and i was fine with it but at the same time i was like uh discogs would probably not like this um (laughs) discogs were probably not like that but yeah um all right question i think i'm only going to stick to two questions um because we're going a little long and it's only going to get longer that's what she said uh Okay, question two, the final question. Um, so if you were in a real-life MLB The Show, Road to the Show, um, what f- kind of... S- basically, just tell me about who 
what you would want to you know be if if Eli Miller was on a team what would be your team of choice your number of choice your position of choice and then lastly what attributes would you like to have like your characteristics Right. So this is super funny because I do have a Roach as a show character where I live out this fantasy. <laughs> cool. Um, so as far as like what I would actually want to do, I would say that I have. So I've been I've been hanging out with Aaron. We've been playing catch a lot more. And what I've noticed is like he he's started to throw me a lot of pot flies and a lot of stuff like that. And I'm actually pretty good at catching them. Like, if there's one thing that I'm decent at is uh, is actually catching pop flies. Um, I mean, I'm not perfect. I'm not out there like mm-hmm. a golden glove. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? But I'm, I'm more athletic than I think I realize. And I can't i really like chasing after the ball and because it used to scare me to catch pop flies it used to scare the shit out of me because i was worried i was going to take it to the face but i've actually learned to really love it because what i love is like like if you're playing catch with somebody and you know how they could kind of overthrow you and stuff i like don't let that happen my mm-hmm. whole goal is like if you overthrow me i'm going to jump up and catch the ball and i'm fairly yeah. tall and i gotta reach and you know I'm, I'm i'm decent at it i've seen my skill with the baseball increase for example we went out there to throw the but the football around because aaron is actually really good at throwing a football and he's, mm. he's pretty good at football um i am literally we ran out there we weren't out there 10 seconds he kind of lobs me a soft little toss i'm running backwards charlie brown slide feet all the way up in the air and just kawoomph right onto nice. the ground we were out there 10 seconds and i biffed it later on I, I, I run a little route and I'm like, oh, hit me. I, I overrun it, smacks me right in the fucking face. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm so bad at football. I've hated, I've never got along with the football. Yeah, Baseball, I'm, I'm there all the way. But I think I would be an outfielder, um, whether it be center field or, or left field or right field. I, I, like, I like the chase. I like running. I like sizing it up. I like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I really like that. I like that more than just catching a really fast ball i mm-hmm. guess for some reason i don't know i like it anyways my road to the show character um looks exactly like me if i was like <laughs> actually athletic um uh 23 would be my number okay um i would do 23 uh or 32 um and then so in my road to the show career so i and i play for the reds and i mean like why wouldn't i want to play for the reds of course i will say that one team that i kind of have a slight affinity for i i don't really know why um just because they're not the yankees and also they have kind of a really cool stadium is the mets i i like i like the mets too yeah i kind of like the new york mets i don't really know why it's just because like i i don't know if i'm interested in their history i like the the colors i like their aesthetic Mm -hmm. and i really like their stadium their stadium's kind of fucking cool their stadium's really cool and they've always had some like legendary hall of fame players although they've not been able to win a whole lot but like some of the best players in history were on the mets mike piazza um oh yeah yeah um yeah i'm I'm less good at that so i won't i won't really (laughs) hop in there but yeah um so maybe one of those now what's interesting in my road the show experience for whatever reason it kind of gave me the option to try everything and then i gained interest based off what i was good at so right now i'm a two-way player 
I'm, to me, I'm more of a three-way player. I pitch. Sometimes I, I, I will be a starting pitcher. Other times I will play right field, and then other times I'll designate a hit. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> and, I, and I truly think that if I was ever good enough to play a professional sport, and specifically baseball, I would not want to be a one-position player. Mm-hmm. I would really like to be a two-way player somehow. It wouldn't have to be as extreme to right field to pitching, but I think it would be really cool to just be able to be like, you know, maybe sometimes I play, you know, maybe sometimes I play catcher, but if they really need me, I go out and play right field. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I, I don't know why. It's like that really interests me. Mm-hmm. Because I think it just shows like a natural ability and also the ability to learn and train and i would assume that i would love baseball so much it's just like yeah i want to try to be able to pay, play other positions and i mean it's like a job where you're good at different elements of the job you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so yeah. right on yeah you're like a so basically you want to be like shohei otani sure yeah shohei <laughs> shohei shohei <laughs> Do you know no. what I'm talking about? No, I have no idea who that is. Oh, okay. He's that dude on the Angels that is legendary. He's an amazing pitcher, but he's also, he can crank home runs. Um, because oh, like, yeah. Yeah, because like in Japan, like so in the United States, if there's a somebody that you know shows signs that they're going to be a good pitcher, they're like, okay, why don't you just focus on that and then never practice hitting because it's not going to matter. But in Japan, they're like, we want you to be the best at everything. So Japanese baseball players, especially the ones that pitch, are also like that come over here and play in the majors are usually pretty good at hitting too. And Shohei Otani is one of the best hitters in the major league and also a really good pitcher. It's insane. Yeah, that would be now. Granted, that takes such a high level of fucking right. athletic ability, but I think from the 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 Japanese point of view, it would probably be like, well, it just takes training and discipline to, you know, um, mm-hmm. because yeah, that is wh- whatever you're good at. Typically in baseball, is like that's what you do because it will take you only doing that, right, to be a professional player. So, mm-hmm. uh, what about you, Mitch? What would be your your uh, MLB story? And while you start, I'm since I could hear you, I'm going to get a beer. So. <laughs> okay. Um, mine is going to be pretty much like the same guy I am now, just like more talented. Um, so it's kind of based on my own, you know, experience in Little League. I really loved third base, so I think I would want to continue to play third base. Um, mostly just because you don't have to be like fast like on your feet because you're you're really only covering a portion of the field as opposed to like shortstop or second base um you have to be everywhere um but i i surprisingly when i played little league and played third base i did have fairly good reflexes so i was always pretty good at like getting you know you know super fast grounders and line drives there were a few times where i just like caught a line drive that i never expected to catch (laughs) that i just blew myself away so i was you know not to my own i was fairly good at that so i I enjoy that. Um, and then also, like, I'm not a great hitter, but in my in my, in my my fantasy, I would want to be a really good hitter. Third baseman's, you know, as long as you're quick, have de- decent reflexes, and a massive hitter, um, that would be my, my attribute. I would be, my, my attribute, I would be the lightning rod. Um, I think that's what it is, yeah. Um, basically, oh. just like the clutch player. Like, yeah. okay, we're two outs down by one. Guy on second base, we need something to happen. In the show, anyway, that's always me. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Well, okay, so I, I didn't want to, like, pick one, but since you did that, so I yeah. think I think I'd probably go heart and soul. I'd like to be, okay. like, the guy in the clubhouse that everybody kind of, like, 
will listen to and kind of like look which is so fucking telling of my own psyche (laughs) but i would like to be that guy that gets along with everybody and like would Mm -hmm. like you know help new guys pumps everybody up yeah yeah just kind of like you know be a because i i have learned that i just get so sick of negativity like yeah especially when you have when you have a goal to accomplish and everybody wants to be negative it drives me fucking insane it's like come on like nothing in life has ever been accomplished with this fucking attitude like you know what i mean so uh no that's interesting well what was (laughs) what just for fun what was your third question my third question was um since we talk about movies a lot i thought we would kind of class it up a little bit and talk about books um third question is who is your favorite author Mm. hmm it could be fiction nonfiction. what about you let's start with you mine is i think you already know this but mine is definitely ray bradbury um no i didn't just, know that at all i didn't oh really oh i fucking I, love ray bradbury I, I didn't actually know you were into ray bradbury <laughs> yeah 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 mostly just because he did the whole like sci-fi thing before it was popular like he was one of the first people to like in the 1950s he was writing about outer space and aliens and futuristic dystopians and and now it's a whole very popular genre, and he kind of pioneered it, but he also did it in an interesting way. Um, I was forced to read like Fahrenheit 451 in high school, and I kind of hated it because it was one of those, um, you know, as a, I have to do this for school. But then I actually went back and read it after I graduated, and I was like, this is actually kind of cool. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that Fahrenheit 451 is one of my favorite books of all time. It's so good, yeah. <laughs> so it's just weird. Like I, I, I don't see how we've never had this conversation. Yeah. Yeah, I thought we have because I think I remember telling you um, on the album that I was working on, I wanted to start it off with that poem by Ray Bradbury, which is one of my favorite poems. Oh ever. yeah, yeah. Have you have you read much of his short stories? Uh, not really. He has really really good short stories. Um, really 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 good short stories. Um, well, I. <sighs> Mine's hard because I tend to not center a lot around. I'll tell you my favorite poet. How about that? Okay. All time, easy pick, favorite poet of all time, Walt Whitman. Yeah. Walt Whitman. uh, Don't even know why, um, but I just, I love his like way to express like Americana and, um, just just so dense in his writing it's so Mm -hmm. dense it's like you read it and it's the thing i like about walt whitman is when walt whitman writes he's so good at evoking an emotion out of you i don't know half the time some of the words that he uses because also Mm -hmm. he wrote in a time where most of the words there we don't even use anymore right um but that's what I like about Walt Whitman is he's a he's a he's a stanky block of cheese. You know what I'm saying? It's it's challenging, but if you just work with it and give it time, <laughs> you're gonna really get something out of it. Mm. And and that's really why I love Walt Whitman. So he yeah. Uh, I will tell you my favorite author that got me into reading was Gary Paulson, uh, oh, who yeah, wrote yeah. you know who wrote Hatchet and and actually that ended up being a trilogy by the way. He also wrote a book called The Car, which was the fucking coolest book for me when I was a kid, man. I was, like, so into it. Um, but as a young adult a- author, I mean, Gary Paulson, like, 
wanted me to fuck like and then i read everything mm-hmm. um but there was always something about hatchet there's always something about the car it just like sparked my imagination and you know even though they're young adult books like i i'll still go back and you know start them over or read favorite scenes like i you know it's it's uh he he he's a lot of the reason i got nerdy about literature would be gary yeah. paulson so <laughs> yeah that's a good no, question but- that's cool, man. Um, one of my favorite books when I was like in that formative years, um, there was a book, and I, uh, I'm going to Google it real quick because I can't even remember who it was. Um, I checked out these books from our school library all the time, but it was about this kid. Um, okay, it was by Dan Goodman, I think. He wrote these time travel books about this kid that was like 13 years old that could like time travel. Um, and in one of the books, he um, there were a few of them. My favorite one is called Shoeless Joe and Me. Um, he This kid had this like old Shoeless Joe baseball card and every time he, like whenever he touched it, he would travel back to like the 1920s when Shoeless Joe was playing and like he would go back and hang out with all these baseball players, Shoeless Joe, Babe Ruth. So it was cool because it was about baseball, but it was also about fucking time travel. Um, just really cool stuff. That That's kind of what got me interested in reading in the first place. No, that's no, that's super interesting. I mean, I loved <laughs> Quantum Leap when it was out um, for the same kind of reasons. And I think, well, I think Quantum Leap kind of got me into history. And I would say that while you're not like a... Aaron level of historian of right. being into history. I have noticed that you do tend to like history. Uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you maybe not like the typical things people associate with that, but you like you you like eras, and you get mm-hmm. really interested in like a particular era and kind of what was going on. And I, I see you get really absorbed in that. Yeah, that's that's true. I've never really thought about it, but I guess I do. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking it up his books. He's also had okay, so they're mostly about baseball. Then he's got one called Babe and Me, oh, okay. Jackie and Me. It's a whole series. <laughs> <laughs> that would also make sense. That also jives right. with why you were interested. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Mitch. Well, I'm excited for uh, the meat and potatoes of this thing because uh, I don't. I, I have a rough idea what we're talking about, but I'm still kind of in the dark, so I'm excited. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna let you take it away let's uh let's hop into her yeah I, I felt like we needed to do another episode where i kind of just mansplain you a cool story um <laughs> so <laughs> i just want to get your reaction to this and this topic is um i'm not gonna lie kind of ripped straight from a couple youtube videos that were recommended and i was like oh that's actually super cool um but I, i've told a few people about these stories and nobody knows of them so i want to i want to tell you about this so this is kind of based off of the uh you so you've seen the fire Fest documentary that was a you know big old thing last year um, i've seen both of them crazy actually i've story. seen all three of them oh i didn't realize there were three yeah um, there was one netflix did one hulu did and then there was another one i want to say hbo maybe did oh I interesting because because both the netflix and the uh, the hulu documentary kind of mirrored the entire story but then there was a documentary that was mainly about the guy mm-hmm. um that was mainly focused on him and they actually interviewed him in that one Oh, that's right. Okay, cool. Yeah, but continue. Okay, so basically everybody knows the story of what happened with Fire Festival. Um, if you haven't, there's three documentaries out there. Just go watch it. We're not gonna <laughs> right. we're not gonna harp too much on that. But um, it kind of got me thinking about like um, what a wild failure that that was. Um, but I kind of recently found out that that is not the biggest 
music festival failure um, out there. Um, and we can kind of debate this later, but there are two other music festivals that some some shit almost as equally as crazy happened. Um, can I guess? Oh, wait. I'm I'm really fucking this up. I'm sorry. No, I'm like, yeah, I, guess. <laughs> I was going to say, can I guess one? Yeah, please do. Are you going to talk about Woodstock in the 90s? No. Oh. <laughs> Because they murdered a guy in the Woodstock at the nineties. Damn, I didn't. I should have talked about that. What happened? I'll make it quick. So obviously, everybody knows about Woodstock in the sixties and yeah. how revolutionary important. Well, uh, later on, around, I could be maybe it was the eighties. I might be fucking up my dates here. But they tried to do it again, or seventies. They tried to do it again, and you know, hey, we're going to do another Woodstock. Oh, it's going to be great. All that. Well. They had the Hell's Angels do security. Oh, no. <laughs> and during a set that the Rolling Stones did, this big fight erupted. Um, this fan like tried to stab one of the Hell's Angel- Angels, and then one of the Hell's Angels just fucking shot the guy. Um, I don't actually know if he died. I, I'm pretty confident he did die. Yeah. Um, because they referred to it as like that death of that era. So it actually may have been late on. Uh, or in the early 70s they basically tried to do it again and the whole thing around it was just that america unfortunately had become so paranoid and so disassociated with that era of of the hippie generation that it was actually violent yeah and um poor there there wasn't enough medical facilities there wasn't enough out you know outhouses they they had not planned it well enough for it to be executed and during yeah the rolling stones set yeah hang a hell's angels member just fucking shot a guy that's crazy um well the first music fest i wanted to talk about actually had a lot of the same similar like you were talking about basically what happened with this music fest it was called the bull island music festival um and it happened on labor day weekend in evansville indiana actually in 1972 <laughs> <Whoa>! <laughs> i'm going down to evansville baby exactly but essentially what happened was um to kind of fast forward to the end is they didn't they weren't prepared they didn't have enough bathrooms um they didn't have proper you know nurses um and it was kind of dangerous so essentially what happened is um so in 1972, um, hot off the heels of Woodstock, um, these two guys in Evansville, Indiana, Bob Alexander and Tom Duncan, um, they had the idea to create this music fest called the Erie Canal Soda Pop and Music Fest. Um, bad, bad start. <laughs> and they named it that because they didn't want, they, because they knew that, oh, you know, w- you know, the, music festivals and hippies and drugs kind of has a bad connotation right now why don't we name our festival something cute and non-threatening we're going to call it the soda pop festival um so (laughs) so here are the bands that they booked um joe cocker black sabbath fleetwood mac allman brothers rod stewart the eagles canned heat and the doors and a few other kind of like not as popular bands um pretty, pretty solid lineup, lineup. <laughs> pretty, really, pretty decent really fucking good lineup for an indiana music fest um so essentially um what happened was they they, they were planning this music festival and um they were gonna hold it this at this uh big old like uh Uh, outdoor drag strip called the Chandler Raceway Park. Um, It was a big old giant venue that is used to holding like, you know, race 
in NASCAR events, essentially. Um, but then, basically, two weeks before the festival, the mayor of Evansville um, found out that this was going to happen, and people of the t- city were kind of scared that you know the, another Woodstock was going to happen. They didn't want their town to be vandalized, and uh, so essentially they. Uh, did this um, injunction, and uh, basically a mayor passed the law that they couldn't hold it at this venue. And this was two weeks before the uh, event. The bands were, the bands agreed. Um, They had, like, articles out in the Rolling Stone, like, advertising it. Tons of people were already planning on going. Um, So they were rushing around trying to find out what to do, and and at this point, they had invested, like, $700,000 into it, so they couldn't really cancel. Um, It was going to happen. They just couldn't do it. Wow. $700,000 in 1972? (laughs) Exactly. Oh, my God. (laughs) They had a shitload of money invested in this. Can I just, real quick, how much money was 700,000? Mm-hmm. 700,000 uh dollars in 1972. So according to the inflation in <laughs> inflation <laughs> inflation <laughs> Uh, what does the uh, inflation calculator have to say? <laughs> um, basically, that would equate to about four point four million dollars today. Holy shit! Yeah, that's why I wanted to look. I'm like, dude, I because the price difference would be around three point seven million. Yeah, that so, is crazy. Yeah, <laughs> so that's why that I together. wanted to look. Now, granted, how accurate is that? I don't know, but right. that's insane. Uh, yeah, no kidding. Well, I guess it kind of makes sense because um, uh, essentially what happened after that is all these surrounding counties also were doing these injunctions, and they're like, well, we don't want this to happen in our county either. So a couple weeks before the, the festival, they were, they were scrambling trying to find a place, and Eventually, what they landed on is kind of a last-minute resort. Um, was this place called Bull Island, and um, the reason it worked out is because it was close enough to Evansville, but it was technically like so. It was on the west. So, if you know anything about the Midwest, the Wabash River essentially runs down north to south and kind of separates Indiana and Illinois. Um, oh. And the Bull Island was on the Indiana side of the river, but it was technically a territory of Illinois. So they were like, well, if Indiana's going to put the kibosh on this festival, let's have it in Illinois. <laughs> but, you know, still close enough by. Um, so that's in the, where they ended up having it. And, um, but they didn't want any other like injunctions to happen, so they didn't announce it until the day of. So people, and this was back in the seventies, people were like showing up to this music festival a day or so ahead of time and went to the original venue where it was advertised at. And there were people there saying like, "Oh no, you got to go to Bull Island. It's over here." And um, so everybody was traveling. There eventually ended up being two hundred and fifty thousand people at this music festival. Which is like four times what they were expecting. Oh, Um, wow. So that's kind of when shit started to go downhill. Um, So basically, where are we at here? Um, So yeah, there were 250,000 people there, um, which led to multiple problems. The first problem was um, they didn't expect that many people, and they only had six (laughs) porta-potties for 250,000 people. Uh, Do the rough math. That is one porta-potty per 46,000 people. (laughs) Oh, God. 
Yeah, not a good ratio. <laughs> not a good ratio. Um, so right off the bat, you know, these, and it was in the 70s, so people were, you know, camping out. Um, they brought tents and everything to spend the weekend there. Um, they were all on drugs. Um, so people were just like literally shitting in the middle of the field where people were having to, you know, camp and sleep. Um, so that was a problem. Um, and then the other problem is they had these like wells set up so you could like pump water and get clean drinking water for the weekend. Only about three of them actually worked. So there was a dangerous lack of clean drinking water um, for that many people. Um, and then upon seeing, you know, the, the the craziness that is happening, like, oh, it's in a different venue now. There's these 250,000 people that are pissed off. Um, most of the bands canceled the day of. Wow. <laughs> uh, Black Sabbath, uh, Fleetwood Mac, um, Joe Cocker, most of the headliners, like, were yeah. already in town. And they saw it and they were like, no, we're not doing this. <laughs> wow. So, they they ended up they ended up having music, but only like you know four or five of the bands that nobody really cared to see anyway. Um, well, in the end, like the the Eagles did end up playing, but that was in the 1971. They weren't very popular, so nobody yeah. really cared. <laughs> um, and then fast forward to Sunday morning. Um, is when shit started to get real bad. So it rained all night. There was basically a flood and. Um, uh, so everything was muddy. People were in a bad mood. Uh, oh, yeah. The other thing, people were doing heroin, um, not just acid and what the drugs Dope. you would expect. Um, and then there were like camps set up where people were selling drugs, but the drugs were laced with shit. And they only had like four nurses. Um, again, 250,000 people, people, four yeah. nurses there, and people were doing drugs that were laced with terrible shit. A couple people actually died from doing you know, shitty heroin. Uh, <laughs> um, let's see what else happened. Um, okay. So there was a caterer that they brought in, um, that they, they had like a food truck set up basically. And since there were so many people, they ended up running out of food and they, the caterer jacked up the prices for hamburgers to $10 and adjusted for inflation. That's $63 for a hamburger. Oh my God. <laughs> So people were pissed. Um, so basically, these people that were strung out on terrible drugs um, ended up burning down this food truck. <laughs> oh my god! And I then, mean, but that's yeah. the thing. There's no food. Uh, you know, hard. Uh, basically, no water. Basically, nowhere Ooh. to use the restroom. Yeah. You, you do. Oh, I'm gonna do heroin because what else am I gonna <laughs> do? And then there's no nurse to take care of you if you fucking die. Exactly. So real bad situation. Oh, and this is kind of fucked up too. Um, because there was no food um, and people were all on drugs, they were kind of starting to get drastic um, Lord of the Flies type situation. Um, since there was an Indiana, since it was in Indiana, <laughs> there was obviously a farm nearby um, where these people literally slaughtered a cow. <laughs> and <laughs> so they they were like, well, I guess we're just going to try to fucking eat this cow then. Um, oh so they killed God. it and they started like butchering it. And then because they were on drugs, they kind of gave up. Like apparently, you know, cooking and slaughtering an entire cow is harder than you would think. Um, so they just left it. There, there's this half massacred cow in the middle of their shit field that they're also sleeping in. Uh, just oh a fucking God. nightmare. <laughs> wow. Um, so yeah, so that, that was pretty much it. Um, it, it, it kind of, uh, people shortly left after that. Um, oh, and, and then it was even getting out of there. was a nightmare cause the roads were flooded. It was super muddy. And then, 
people ended up like parking their cars literally on the highway. They got towed because they were parked on the highway. <laughs> so oh, it was God. a nightmare. It was they they couldn't even like leave. Um, so yeah, that was pretty much it. The, the Bull Island Music Fest in 1972, Evansville, Indiana, baby. <laughs> wow. No, that's like yeah, that is. I, I'm actually surprised it wasn't worse. Yeah. Like I'm surprised that there wasn't like a, a borderline riot into a neighboring town. Yeah, that the, they kept the riots secluded to the island they burned down the food truck and they were oh there, there was another story they were like there was a trailer full of like beer and cigarettes you could buy people were just looting that yeah naturally yeah yeah jeez yeah, wow well that shit. one was is is the next one worse um yes and no okay okay because i'm like that's a that's a high fucking bar right. so the next one um wasn't i i guess it wasn't as bad because this one actually happened in 2020 um so this is crazy it's called the tribal gathering music festival um and this one wasn't really no uh as much of a music fest as it was like a hippie fest like um it I kind of explain it as like if you think of like Burning Man, this is kind of what right. it was. Um, oh, okay. It happened in Panama. It was like this three-week festival where people were just kind of come together and centered around the arts. Um, and the kind of the cool thing about this one, it, it, it happened in Panama, like uh, among a whole bunch of like indigenous people there, and these essentially hippies were going to come. And White live. people. Yep, yep. White people were going to come <laughs> and live with these hippies, uh, live with these indigenous people, and. Their, in their words, um, the Tribal Gathering Fest um, promotes uh, people how uh, it teaches people to learn how to live in symbiosis with the earth. So you can imagine there's just all sorts of acid going on. Right, um, right. White people uh, living amongst non-white people and trying to learn off of them. It's kind of sounds kind of shitty, actually. Yeah, it sounds very gentrified. <laughs> very gentrified. Very, uh, yeah. Um, so essentially, so this music fest was supposed to be happening. It was scheduled from March 2nd to March 16th, 2020. Does that ring a bell? <laughs> Cause uh, it should. <laughs> um, oh, so, wait, this is clicking in my head now. Okay. I think I've only heard about this, but I think there's a documentary about it. There is. There's a little Vice video where I kind of got Vice this video. from. Okay, continue. But I'm, I'm on board. Super cool. So basically, um, yeah, everybody knows what happened um, between March 2nd and March 16th, 2020. Um, so around March 12th, the festival closed. They announced that they would have to close early due to the coronavirus. Um, and they were on this island in Panama. And... Um, Essentially, what ended up happening is uh, they had no way of like getting home because they were travel bans. Um, yep. They were stuck on this island, essentially. Um, and uh, so basically, thousands of people were told that they had a couple. They had to wait a couple weeks. They had to quarantine two weeks before they could leave the island. And most of the people on the island at the festival hadn't been there two weeks. Um, so. I imagine going to a music fest and being like, okay, well, you're uh, legally you have to camp out here for the next two weeks. Insane. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but luckily, this one didn't get like as riotous because it's 2020 and the military got involved and they were sending them food and water and all that. Um, but they still like weren't letting people leave. Um, 
and it actually started off kind of chill, essentially just a whole bunch of hippies living in paradise, um, doing drugs. So they were just like, yeah, fuck it. We'll stay another two weeks. Uh, this sounds like a good time. Um, but then things got a little kind of shittier because the, uh, the, 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 the government essentially said that they, they couldn't leave. And, um, Fast forward a, a few days, they they had shuttle buses running to like the nearest city, but on the shuttle buses they were checking passports to see when you arrived, and if you hadn't been there two weeks, they weren't letting you leave. Um, and they were also doing COVID tests, and they basically said that if you try to sneak onto the shuttle bus and you haven't been here two weeks, we are going to kick you off, and your entire tour bus is the entire bus is going to come back, and we're going to have to make them quarantine for two weeks. So don't fuck this up. Guess what? That happened. Yeah. Um, <laughs> people were being shitty and like trying to sneak on these buses, and you know potentially infected a whole bus full of people who had to turn right back around um there were people like they kicked people off the bus in the middle of the night and they had to sleep on the highway just insanity um then uh okay so basically on day seven of their lockdown seven days after they were all supposed to you know be able to leave the fest because the festival was long over by this point um by, by day seven, they, they kind of loosened up the, the rules a little bit. They, they were like, things are going to get real ugly real quick. Um, so they said, you can leave as long as you can prove that you have a flight scheduled the following day. But mm. the thing was, flights were being canceled. There was, really, there was still a travel ban in place. Yeah. So technically, people could leave, but not really. <laughs> right. Um, and then finally, like on day nine of them being stuck on this remote island, um, they finally let everybody leave. Um, but they couldn't leave Panama City until they had like quarantined again. Yeah. I don't fully understand what happened, but people were like living in Panama City for like up to a month just because they weren't allowed to leave and go back to their home countries. There were people there from U.S., uh, England, like all over the U.K. Um, it was kind of insane. Um <laughs> and then the funny part is some people at the festival decided to not leave. They were just like, well, we're on this beautiful remote island. Um, and the past couple of weeks, we've been learning about how to, you know, live in community with one another. So essentially, they started a commune and they never left. So <laughs> yeah. I don't have an update for you yet because I haven't looked into it. But as of June, there were still like 30 people still living on this <laughs> island. <laughs> but they were just like, fuck it. Let's stay here forever. <laughs> Good lord. So yeah, not nobody died in that one, so I guess it wasn't as bad. But just like, how terrifying would it be to be like, okay, well, you have to live here, you know, castaway style for the next two weeks. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be rough on me. I wouldn't <laughs> handle that well. No, 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 I wouldn't either. <laughs> well, so that's fucking insane. Both of those are crazy interesting. And I think in context of the Fire Festival, the big thing with the Fire Festival is they were selling this dream mm -hmm. of like escapism and decadence. And I, I, I mean, I got to be honest with you, Mitch. I don't like music festivals. I, the idea never really appealed to me. I find it in in that same vein like it's like oh you're gonna go and hang out and anybody who has been and stayed at a music festival will tell you that it's rough going mm -hmm. yeah and you just go to drink and party mm -hmm. non-stop for days i mean i have you know buddies who go to rock on the range out here oh, in ohio God. every year 
and they love it they have a great time but it's hard you're you're out there getting sunburnt you just drink and drink and drink until you get to go watch music exactly and like you know in typical music fest fashion beers are six dollars water's eight dollars so <laughs> right what are you gonna you know what are you gonna pick so um you know i'd like to go to festivals that are up but it's like the whole the whole point of the festival is like you go spend a day there and you come mm-hmm. home or if you live in the area and can go home at the end of the day, you go all three days. Mm-hmm. The The music festival mentality, I, I, I don't like. There's people that like go to Times Square for New Year's. Oh, my God. Yeah. And you know what they do? They wear diapers so yeah. they don't lose their spot using the restroom. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, what are we doing? What are you doing? Yep. What is so <laughs> fucking important about that time to go? Yeah. Like. So I I don't get any of these people mm-hmm. that would want to go to these music festivals. I, I was super into it when I was like 21, 22, because like at the time, like and even still, I like the idea of a music festival. Like what other, ex, you know, what, what other event can you go and spend like $80 for the day, let's say, and then see like five or six of your favorite bands like that's a steal if you can see five or six awesome bands in concert for eighty dollars do it um but the caveat to that is whenever i was going to the music because i went to bunbury a couple of years i went yeah, to forecastle fest yeah. um so i've been to a few of them and i had a good time but I remember specifically on forecastle fest which is pretty much i think the last festival i actually went to um it was Ryan Adams, Gary Clark Jr., and Death Cab were all like headlining the same stage. And I but, was like, I really want to see all these people, and I don't really care about anybody else that's playing. So we were sticking, we stuck to one stage the entire day. And um, I, I kind of wanted to, get, I was super naive, and uh, I wanted to get really good spots for especially the Ryan Adams show. Um, so we never left, and there were tons of other people that never left this stage because it was kind of the you know the New Year's the New Year's Eve kind of thing. If you leave, you're fucked. So by the end of the day, I had been standing uh, basically twelve hours. I don't think I sat down in, in, in except the same for like spot. yeah, standing in the same spot for twelve hours. I think I maybe sat down a half hour that day. So my feet were so in such bad shape. I, I remember like I was sunburnt, dehydrated. I was not in a good mood by the time it was over. But at the time, you know, while the music was happening, it was super cool because I was front row Ryan Adams. <laughs> but I couldn't, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would go back and do that today being 30 years old. <laughs> I, I was going to say, it's like, I mean, sure, like that, I mean, that sounds great, but already you said like I was in a bad mood by the end of it. So it was yeah. like, did you really enjoy it or had you just maybe been kind of far away? but just been able to experience it. Yeah. That would well, be my question. Yeah, I and and I think like I was on a music high being front front row at Ryan Adams because I specifically remember walking back to the car after the Ryan Adams set was over, which was the last one for the night. Um I could barely walk. I was like, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> after the high wore off, I was like, oh shit, this sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean I get it and I don't want to like be dis- you know disparaging against people who are mm-hmm. willing to do that but i guess it's like for me it's just like <laughs> we're uh, <laughs> i don't i don't want to be we're teetering on a level of like idol worship where i'm kind of going to bow out it's just like when i had a chance to go see the foo fighters i got to, yeah. i had a chance to go see my favorite band 
ever and i and i would have loved it it was like over a hundred dollars for a fucking ticket per person i said Mm -hmm. fuck that yeah not that they're not great musicians i mean they're my favorite fucking band but it's like that's not fucking worth it Mm -hmm. like that's a bill like it's the same reason that like pearl jam basically boycotted Ticketmaster and did their own self-imposed tour that Mm -hmm. went (laughs) kind of rocky but they did that to prove a point of that you know people have monopolized our joy of music and entertainment and you know I just don't think that's cool or fair Mm -hmm. and I'm not gonna fucking do that so you might be my favorite band in the world but I'm not spending over a hundred dollars to fucking come see you so if you as a band want to figure out a different way of doing this, because as much as I love Dave Grohl and all the guys and foos and how much I respect them, I was like, I know y'all made enough money to live for a few lifetimes <laughs> exactly. on that money. I'm not dumb to it. Like I'm not judging them for it because I wouldn't say I wouldn't do the same thing, but I'm not going to play ball, so mm. to speak. I'm not going to do that. If well, you that- have a reasonable price ticket, I'll go see you. But I don't I'm think not. they'll ever do a show with a reasonable price ticket because they know that, and not only them know, because I don't think they want to say, I don't think they want to charge $100 a ticket, but they can, and Ticketmaster gets involved. You, there's a lot of cost that goes into like putting on a festival yeah. and a tour like that. Um, so, and once you get to a certain point of fame, people are going to pay it. So they don't, yeah. Dave Grohl doesn't care that you're not going to spend a hundred dollars on a ticket because people will. Yeah. <laughs> and if they don't charge a hundred dollars a ticket, it'll be sold out immediately. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's supply and de- demand. And like yeah. I said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be the one up there on a soapbox. Like this is wrong. This is bullshit. <laughs> but <Right>. it's like, <laughs> I don't feel comfortable doing that because it feels irresponsible, even for my favorite brand band. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's me being, like a little bit too like of a square but -hmm. it's also like no like i no that's not i feel the same way about like pop concerts like people pay an ungodly amount of money to see like kanye um taylor swift beyonce holy shit like who how can you i don't believe anybody loves taylor swift enough to pay four hundred dollars for a ticket (laughs) there's no fucking way (laughs) Now, that level is a different level where I will say, how do you sleep at night? Exactly. Because T-Swift's all the one like, my fans, my fans, like what I do for my fans. Like, how much is your (laughs) concert ticket? Exactly. Like, you're doing what everyone else fucking does, man. You're just making money off of them. Right. (laughs) There's a difference. And, uh, you know, it's like I said. I mean, I'm not, you know, I went and saw Tenacious D at fucking the LC Pavilion mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure it was like 20 bucks a ticket maybe 50 mm-hmm. bucks a ticket I mean it was kind of pricey but that's reasonable and it was a really intimate concert I'm not going to pay $200 to go sit up in the fucking nosebleeds just yeah. to hear live Foo Fighters music and they're so far away right. I mean it's like look I love them I want to support them and I do support them that's the difference the people that like Foo Fighters don't need that money Mm-hmm. they don't and that's the only issue i have and that's the only reason that's like i'm not gonna if i have a group because the whole plan was there was going to be a group of people and we were all going to kind of have our own tickets and do this big communal friend thing mm-hmm. that unfortunately fell through and it fell through because of the price yeah and it's like well we can still go but it's like do we want to for yeah. that much fucking money and the like, other cool thing about like i guess 
the YouTube age is that when I went to see U2 um, in Chicago, um, tickets were ungodly expensive, but I would do it again. Um, but I went home like pretty much the next day and went on YouTube and I was like, I wonder if anybody put this concert footage on the uh, on YouTube. The entire concert is on YouTube. I can I can watch it anytime I want to. I was fucking there. But then that also made me realize like. If I want to see a show, and the, the, the guy that shot the concert footage had like amazing equipment, he could, the audio quality was better than what I experienced being there. <laughs> <laughs> he he had way better ridiculous. seats than me. I was like, yeah, no, I, I watched this, this U2 concert, the whole thing. And I was like, I had no idea what was happening on stage because I paid a hundred dollars a ticket and I was so far away that I had no idea any of this was happening. Wow. So now I'm just like, well, I, you know, you could just watch, watch it on YouTube and for free. So <laughs> it's weird, man. I, I think there's plenty of other arguments that aren't being presented here, which I mm-hmm. totally get, but I will say that some of the best concert I went to was before bands broke and when tickets were fucking cheap because mm-hmm. you know who i also got to see for at the lc pavilion which i don't know if anybody's like incredibly familiar with the lc pavilion but it is general omission you find your spot and it's mm-hmm. a decently like uh we went and saw trampled by turtles taft theater yeah mm-hmm. that was a great fucking concert that was yeah we kind of had our own little you know awkward concert moments there <laughs> yeah. um however great fucking concert um but the lc pavilion much honestly smaller um i went i got to see the the dead weather there oh wow that's cool so for like 20 bucks Mm -hmm. i got to be a stone throw away from jack white which was super cool super awesome would i pay 120 dollars for that fuck no (laughs) right fuck no like it's not it he's not that cool Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't there's know. A, there's a venue clo- like kind of like that in uh, in Noblesville, Indiana, that we've been to a few times, and um, they basically have this kind of pavilion kind of thing where you can actually get a seat and sit down, and you're under this little roof thing. Um, and if you want to get up close, the tickets are stupid expensive. But other than that, if you buy like general admission tickets, it's this big old lawn that you know sit wherever you can find a seat. Um, and those those tickets are like twenty, thirty bucks and that i do that all the time because that's a that's a great deal um and it's super fun i don't need to be 10 feet away from the band like (laughs) yeah like and i and i by no means i would say the the musicians the bands the artists should get a majority of that money but they don't exactly and that's just kind of why i don't want to pay that you Mm -hmm. know what i mean i'll buy your record i'll blow up your youtube i'll hopefully or you know buy merch like you know merch is a great way uh to support an artist but there's just something about live music that you you should you should 100 percent go out and watch bands live and support them and do that but the the bands that need it people don't go see because we're busy and we make an event so we'll go spend 400 dollars on taylor swift tickets mm-hmm. and go see her and she don't need that fucking money yeah right so. Oh, sidebar. Um, I've, I've talked about a band called Radkey before. Um, they were at the uh, the Brass Rail that I, I saw them a couple years ago at the shitty hole in the wall bar. Actually, you went to the rail. Yeah, I saw Radkey there. Um, 
they were such a fun time, man. They were really good musicians. Um, fast forward a couple years later, um, they were on the Dave Grohl um, documentary that he did about touring, and then he like apparently got along with them so much that he, he they're opening for the Foo Fighters. Yes, I <laughs> and saw, I saw all them. This. Like this is such a hipster moment for me, but like I saw these guys with about twenty people in the crowd, and I paid five dollars to get in, and they're about to like blow up. So that's super yeah. cool. No, that's super super cool. And actually, the Foo is playing with Radkey and. Cincinnati on July 28th. Actually, I think I saw that because I want to go. Yeah, that'd be yeah. awesome. Yeah, $221. Never mind. <laughs> it sucks, man. That's like, ridiculous. It sucks. Like, I, I'm not saying they don't deserve it, but damn, man. Like, you know, it's like that just can't happen. I just, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, don't have that money. That's, that's over $400 for a couple to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's yeah, ridiculous. I mean, what are you gonna do? You know, yeah. it's it just that's what sucks. Because I saw that and I was like, oh, cool. Oh wait, Foo Fighters have insanely expensive tickets. Right. So it just kind of blows. It sucks. Um, well, not to be a downer, but I think the whole thing with festival culture is that is I think you spend gobs of money to have to you're you're trying to buy an experience mm-hmm. and I think that in life experiences that you have typically are the ones that you either a don't plan to have or b are for free mm-hmm. <laughs> and the the what the, the kind of funny thing that I that I like about these stories about like Firefest and the tribal gathering fest is it sounds kind of shitty but like i am so glad this happened to like pretentious white people exactly <laughs> absolutely deserve it <laughs> yeah yeah they ain't got a care in the world man they're flying around let's go to this festival let's go to this festival yeah. let's do acid i you know and I, I don't mean to shit upon people who have more open lifestyles than right The majority of us go to work Monday through Friday and don't have time to do this shit. Mm -hmm. And we just want to go see our favorite bands and there's $7,000 to go see them. So we don't do that. Y'all fly out on your festivals and and want to hang out with Ja Rule and and strippers. <laughs> I'm kind of I'm kind of happy that you had a really bad time because exactly. fuck you. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's I guess how we feel about festivals. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> All right, Mitch. Well, let's get into what you cranking. Um, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna loop it back to the beginning of the episode. Apparently, we've been listening to music from 1978. Hmm. So, my whole thing was, like I said, I stumbled upon this playlist on Spotify. It was just, like, best of, you know, rock music in 1978. Um, And I I just was kind of, like, blown away at how many... Like, I'm just going to go ahead and read some. So, we've got Who Are You by The Who, Don't Stop Me Now by Queen, Running With The Devil, Van Halen, Roxanne, Police, Hold The Line, Toto. I mean, Sultans of Swing by Dire Straits, I Want To Be Sedated by The Ramones, yeah. Werewolves of London by Warren Zavon. Wanna, yeah. You know how I felt about Warren Zavon. Uh, we got Take Me To The River by The Talking Heads. Oh we got gosh, Renegade yeah. Sticks, Life's Been Good, Joe Walsh. I mean, Fat Bottom Girls by Queen. Who Do You Love? George Thorogood. Holiday Nights by Bob Seger. I mean, gee, what was going on? That's a great year. (laughs) 
I mean, just like I can't. I mean, like such good fucking music. Like, just. I uh, I I I mean, that's not even all of it. I mean, that's not even all of it. That's just some highlights. So it just this playlist blew me away and it's a great playlist to just throw on when you want to listen to music but you're not really sure what to listen to you just Mm -hmm. throw this on man and every song is a hit and every song is great you know just for fun to compare i wanted to see what other like those playlists are like so i pulled up the best of rock 1979 and it's got some good songs on it um highway to hell uh, message in a bottle um train in vain the clash but then some of them are just like uh Super Tramp is one of those. Um, the Eagles. Uh, let's see. The My Sharona. Cars by Gary Newman. Like, yeah, these are some good songs, but like, what happened from 1978 to 1979? <laughs> I, 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 I just, yeah, like, uh, uh, yeah, like, I just think that, I, I mean, these are, I mean, we have, we have Van Halen who came out with Running With The Devil. And I'm not even the biggest Van Halen fan, mm-hmm. but they had Running With The Devil, You Really Got Me, and Eruption, all, all all in 1978, along with, like, Come Together by Aerosmith, that cover came out then. Mm-hmm. Um, Fat Bottom Girls by Queen came out then. You know what I mean? Insane, yeah. Uh, I, I, I mean, it's just like, these are iconic songs. That, and they all came out in 1978. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, it's crazy. You're, you're exactly right. It's like, not that any other year won't have good songs, but I'm not sure. I, I would be challenged to see a year when so many songs came out from very different genres. That's the mm-hmm. thing, too. We're talking about Queen, The Who, Rolling Stones, Toto. Do I love Toto? Not really. Do I like Hold the Line? <laughs> Fuck yeah. You know, Blondie came out with one way or another. Dire Straits. So I really like Dire Straits all that much. Not really, (laughs) but Sultan's a Swing is a really good song. Yeah. Um, It seems like this was the year before it kind of went into the late 70s and then you started early 80s. So this kind of maybe felt like the last year of a certain sound Mm -hmm. that we had. Um, But with all that being said, what I wanted to do for my What You Crankin' is I wanted to pick my favorite song from 1978. I wanted you to pick your favorite song from 1978. I gave it to you early to see if you can mull it over and maybe come up with one. But by the time we got here, I will go ahead and say mine, which is actually the song uh, Pump It Up by Elvis Costello and the Attractions. Because that song, uh, I think that unfortunately we have to blame Elvis Costello for ska. Um, because that song Pump It Up Interesting. is exactly like every Rocket to the Crypt song. Yeah. It's fucking that era of that of that um, late 90s uh, ska alt sound mm-hmm. where there was 20 people in the band and everyone played fucking saxophones. Everybody was into Elvis Costello and like the talking heads. Yeah, that, yeah. that song sounds like every one of those <laughs> fucking bands. But it's right. so crazy to me though that Elvis Costello in 1978 wrote Pump It Up and played that song and it's just like, oh my god, this like is that sound. <laughs> like that's that sound. Yeah. Like Oh, so and, and it's a it's an awesome song but that song favorite song in 1978 
That's a good one. Uh, that's so funny that you said ska because I never really tied that together. Um, actually, I've had kind of the opposite. I was um, I was over at a buddy's house and we just like put on one of my playlists that I made, and um, there were <laughs> not one. Not two, but three times that an Elvis Costello song came on, and he was like, "Is it, this is Tom Petty, right? Is this Tom Petty?" <laughs> and he's like, "Not even he he knows music, but he's just like so unfamiliar with Elvis Costello that um, he just got." Tom Petty and Elvis Costello confused three different times, and I was just like, you know what? They do have similar voices. They do. They they <laughs> they, they they honest to God do. Um, I don't hear that sonically, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I guess I can't. The, their voices are similar enough where, because I don't know every Tom Petty song, and I sure right. shit don't know every Elvis Costello song. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but sonically, I think why Elvis Costello is important is he was doing a lot of shit that was well ahead of his time. Yeah. Like, he was innovating shit, and Tom Petty did a little bit, too, um, mm-hmm. in ways. He was kind of one of the first people throwing on a drum machine on a rock album. Yeah. Um, around this era, but no, that's 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 pretty funny. That's um, funny. I don't think I've done that. I don't know. I don't. I don't <laughs> think I hear that. Um, it's not that insane though. Right. So after having some time to kind of peruse this list, I think I did pick out a favorite. Um, and this band will always hold a special place in my heart. Um, Renegade by Styx is i fucking love sticks man. <laughs> i do too oh also surrender by cheap trick came out in 19 19- oh wait we did this that was the whole yeah, beginning we, that, of was, that was the intro song yeah that's a good song <laughs> sorry um, yeah but i mean no, i I've always liked Six. My dad was a big Sticks fan, like yeah. so he he would always kind of listen to it in the car. And at the time, I was like, ah, I don't love this. But now, like going back and now can that now that I can appreciate the you know seventies and eighties rock, I'm like, Sticks is doing some wild shit. They have <laughs> they do. how do they have such a diverse catalog where they're like, come sail away, lady, and then they're like, Domo Arigato, uh, Mr. Roboto. What the fuck? <laughs> what is this band? I love it. Uh, Aaron. And his mom loves sticks and basically Aaron and his mom got me into sticks because I used to fucking shit on sticks I used to be a kiss kid you know I was like I was oh, like yeah, kiss yeah, yeah. then I was like oh man kiss kind of fucking sucks oh, they're, they're kind of stupid um yeah but no I yeah no sticks is and renegade is a baller song I mean yeah great fucking song no i i'm i'm totally down with it <laughs> totally down with it have you cool. seen uh the jimmy uh fallon and paul rudd videos where they recreate old music videos from that era um no i don't think i have oh my god they're amazing well okay. if you can look up them side by side with the actual music video because they did too much time on my hands by sticks oh that's awesome and it's <laughs> really good it's really 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 good that's awesome i'll have to look at that i saw the one where he did uh, more than words with jack, jack black. black yeah that's hilarious yeah i mean it's it's the same thing but apparently yeah. he did a lot of these with paul rudd because um, mm-hmm. paul rudd's a, actually a, a really good singer and oh i didn't know that yeah oh really yeah no yeah paul rudd is a great singer um he's a good musician have you ever seen this is 40 yeah i have yeah okay I guess he doesn't like outright sing in that, but you can mm-hmm. hear him sing a little bit in there. 
It's not his go to. I just thought that I thought that was like a jokey kind of singing voice because I have a jokey singing voice and then I have a real singing voice. (laughs) I just thought he was doing his jokey version. (laughs) Probably, but I think I think you can hear that he actually can sing fairly well because when they do like too much time on my hands, they're they are singing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, all right. Anyways, that's what we're cranking. That was this episode. I am tired. Yep. We went on <laughs> a little bit long today. Uh, we're going to wrap it up. I think that's a good plan. Very good plan. All right. Till next time, we'll see you later. We will have the results of the Floyd Mayweather <laughs> Logan Paul fight because that's my life now. Apparently, I'm gonna I'm a fucking sports writer, and that's what I'm gonna cover is these the Paul brothers fights. I'm gonna fucking cover them apparently and talk about them on the podcast. <laughs> well, I'm very much looking forward to that. So, well, thanks, guys. Uh, stay fresh, cheese bags. Uh, once again, forgot that was our sign off. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thank you.